Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. on the Barroom Network. I'm Salim Sutterwala, and as always, I'm joined by Edward Schull Jr. Hey, Ed, Ed, how's it going, man? How is your Sunday afternoon, late afternoon? Hey, it's going really well. Um, we don't have Bears football to watch, um, so that's a that's a positive on a Sunday, Thank I God. think. Uh, we got that out the way on Thursday, so uh, yeah. that that's always good to do. But I'm doing really well. We have... Bulls basketball back this week. The regular season starts back this week. So uh, it's going to be a lot of excitement to see a bunch of rookies to see, or at least around the NBA, but to see the new look teams, to see how this Bulls team is going to figure itself out and uh, to see how these new pieces can potentially uh, mesh together. So it should be a really, really interesting year, but I'm doing really well, man. How about you? I'm doing well. I actually, you know, it's funny. I went to that Bears game. And I was so mad the entire game because everything that I was worried about in the off season has is happening. Like they gave added really no receivers. Mm. You know they they didn't do much of a job on the offensive line, and they're just trying to like Justin Fields has his issues. Like when he's a young quarterback that's developing still, and they're basically put him in a position where he has to be perfect. Yeah. It's like, that's not how you develop a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're, you're setting him up to fail, fail, and he's failing. And and even then, he, you, you're seeing him make some gradual improvements hmm. when they decide to run an offense that fits his skill set. So I don't know. I mean, this is not a bull, a Bears podcast, but it's, it's just so it, frustrating. It, where, yeah. like, it was the most uh, – Doing the same stuff over and over. It, it was the most Bears game ever to – only give up 12 points, but lose. <laughs> yeah, 100%. It's, it's just Bears football. It's, yeah. It is what it is. But, yeah, the, the Bulls are around the corner. Um, You've been you've been just randomly. How are all the weddings going? They're going pretty well. You, you've been doing well with that? Yeah, it's uh it's been wedding season. So I've been to uh, – I've been missing count. But uh, I think I've been to two, and I have one more next week. So um, – always great to see love in the air uh different locations so that's been good but yeah the weddings have been great man 100 percent. that's yeah. that's great to hear um definitely love is in the air love for basketball is always in the air all year long uh especially with the bulls this town loves their bulls um you know i always like doing episodes where we bring on someone that's not like in the bulls bubble obviously we have a lot to talk about today with various things from preseason's action, the things that we've seen with the offense, Nikola Vucevic, and uh, all those various different things. And to kind of help us 
talk about those different uh, outside perspectives, to give us that outside perspective, I should say. Uh, there's probably not anyone better than one of our favorite writers, podcasters, and just one of our favorite people in general. He writes for Dime Up Rocks, covers the WNBA for WNBA, podcast with Indy Crow, uh, Daily Ding for the Athletic NBA show, the one and only Mark Schindler. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm man? good. I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm glad to be back and appreciate the kind intro too. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, it's love having you on, Mark. Love having you on and can't forget, I mean, Mark has great taste in hip hop, man. Always see him tweeting out like really, really good songs, songs that are on my mind that I've been listening to. So that can't that can't go under the radar. That can't go unsaid. (laughs) Let's see if you have a nice uh, 90s hip hop uh, reference for the Bulls this Uh, this time. I probably will. I probably will. They just flow naturally. Yeah, I have to to make up for the I was slandering, I think, like corn dogs and stuff today. So. (laughs) <laughs> Somebody's mad at me for that, understandably. But Chili dogs, corn dogs. <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. Uh, but yeah, so let, let's get into the Bulls. Uh, obviously, we've seen about, well, there's four games that we saw for preseason. Um, there's decent amount of stuff to take away. Obviously, preseason is preseason, but there's definitely, as far as at least process is concerned, you can definitely dig into that tape and the film and and get good ideas of what the team is trying to do, uh, what each player is kind of looking like for the most part. Um, and just to kind of talk about the offense to start with and how they're utilizing or trying to be a little more creative, have a more open offense, doing a lot more actions as opposed to like last season did a lot of one-on-one stuff or a two-man game. And then obviously resorting to doing a lot of ISO DeMar uh, late in game situations. And, that was a lot to do with just circumstances as well, because you had Zach that was injured with his knee. Um, obviously Vooch was going through his struggles, but maybe that was also part because they weren't doing a lot of uh, ball movement and incorporating him in more in ways. But like I said, last season, they, they did a lot more isolation stuff, but through these first, through these four games, you're seeing a lot more, involvement from everyone as far as what the Bulls are trying to do in offense. So what have you seen with them as far as their offensive game plan and how they're utilizing their playmakers really? Yeah, I think uh, a couple things. I mean, number one, I do want to be cautious with preseason uh, because one of the big takeaways for me is how active they've been in trying to really push and transition. Um, especially with, uh, you know, I, th- I think there was some, some blowback to AO, um, being named the starting point guard and honestly like i i get it i liked it i think you know we saw him really flourish when he played with the starting lineup at times last year um and especially when you're empowering him to push and transition maybe generate some quick pain touches out of that um and you know get get demar zach off ball and make it hard make make defenses have to think a little bit more um but again i think like we always see transition really ratchet up in preseason um, so I am interested to see if that really holds going into the year. Uh, it's definitely interesting and worth noting. Um, but as you mentioned, I think what's what's interesting with this team is that I I don't want to say that they didn't get better at their weaknesses in the offseason, but I don't really feel like they added that much in the way of shooting, which was an issue at times last year. Um, but like you were mentioning with some of the new things in the offense, I think what kind of helps with that is how much of an emphasis there's been on cutting early. Um, like, so every time that there is kind of, um, like anybody's getting played off of, like there are 
it, I mean, they're very clearly scripted cuts. So like if somebody gets helped off of uh, in the slot, there's a 45 cut and the guy in the corner is lifting. Um, or if, you know, somebody's getting helped off of in the corner, they're, that, I mean, that's the automatic reader. Like th- there's just been a lot more that I think has been present in cutting and just ball movement in general, um, which I think generally is a more difficult way to play just because there's more opportunity for turnovers. And I think that's something that we have seen play out a little bit. But also, like you mentioned with Vooch, I think that's been really important for getting him and not even just him, but everybody in general open in pockets. Like that's part of why Javante, I think, has looked really successful. Part of that, like Javante has shot just like in, insanely from everywhere and anywhere. But like you see him, like he's been very active in, in his cutting and um, attacking gaps. And I think that's going to be really huge for this team headed into this year. Um, and even like with having, uh, a, you know, this team is really – Considering how much they're going to lack shooting gravity from off-ball players, getting the most out of what they have with the guys who are going to bring some of that is going to be important. I feel like they're really doing, um, or at least trying to emphasize uh, that and, and take advantage of what they can. Yeah, Javante with a three-ball, and it's over for a league. <laughs> I, I mean, hey, man, I, I'm hopeful. That would be very cool if if he just randomly became like a plus three-point shooter. Yeah, I'm hoping like – like, I feel like I, I was watching a lot of the playback on his sh- shot, and I feel like his release is a little smoother compared to last season. So we'll see. I mean, obviously, preseason is preseason, but we'll yeah. see once game action happens, and he'll get a lot. He's going to get a lot of open opportunities for sure. I mean, I think last season, like 80% of his threes were wide open, like open to wide open, which is obviously uh, measured by four to six feet, a defender within his range. So he's going to get those opportunities again. Like if he can take like maybe three or four a game and hit like 36, 37%, that's, that's a huge boost, I think uh, for the bulls. So we'll see what happens with Javante for sure. I wanted to ask you about that too, because one of the things on my mind is of course the bulls still aren't a very strong three point shooting team. So if you think about last year, it seemed that they succeeded in the early parts of a season in spite of that. Mm-hmm. What faith do you like? What faith level do you have that they can do the same thing this year as in just being able to like just be able to have a solid offense in the face of not really being able to take a lot of threes or even make a lot of threes? Well, yeah, no, I think it's a good question. I mean, uh in watching the way that they played just in granted again in the preseason, like I think that the, like, like I was hitting on a little bit, like there's like much more of a concerted effort to really try and establish a flow in the half court because that was such a big problem last year. Even when the offense really picked up in the second half of the year, it, I mean, a lot of it was just DeMar being incredible in my opinion. Like mm. obviously like Zach was huge in that too, no, for but sure. um, for the most part, like I do think you can, I mean, DeMar having, a career year was was essential in that but as much as like that offense was scoring really well and especially like in the fourth quarters um it still just like always felt like it could gum up at times and it was like kind of scoring in spite of um what the looks looked like and i think to me now like this is a lot more about actually creating things that are going to be effective um and especially with vooch like what's hard about having so many guys who are not really going to draw overs on ball screens. That's why you're seeing a ton of weave action. Like, um, especially with what some of the, like, I I don't know. I think a lot of um, 
what some of the lineups can look like. You're going to have to be so creative in trying to make it work. Like I'm interested to see um, what the organizational mandate is for getting Dale and Terry minutes. Cause like, I like Dalen. He's a really interesting player, especially on the defenseman. And I think, you know, there are very similar, obviously different kind of player, but very similar to IO in terms of like somebody who with the ball in his hands can make good decisions and make quality plays and read the floor. Well, but he's a worse ball handler. He doesn't have as much as a scorer. So it's hard. Like, okay, how are you getting the most out of him without just having him sagged off of in the corner? Cause his shot's not there yet. Mm-hmm. So like running weave actions and getting things like that, like they did with, with Iowa at the beginning of last year to, you know, get him involved and get him opportunities and, you know, allow him to use his size and vision. Like, I think we're going to see a lot more of that, of just um, continually trying to get a bunch of touches going. And I think Vooch is really big to that. Like they're going to need his screening, um, like, especially like looking at, um, with, with Alex, like Alex is a good player, but he's still like, I just don't think that pull up three is ever going to get there. Um, so like anytime he's running a ball screen, like you're going to see two or three rescreens or flip screens just because that's how you're going to try and take advantage of defenses going under. And, um, so yeah, I think like, there's just going to have to be a lot more calculated stuff. Like one thing I really like too, they've been very concerted in trying to, like, I think Pat will looks even better as a screener this year. Not that he was bad last year, but like um, they're doing a lot of uh, it's almost like a slip screen, but you make it's it's kind of an illegal screen that they're using with him. Like they're doing a lot of calling him up from the slot or, or from the corner and then kind of dragging his man with him into the post um, just to try and create mismatches and, and make things interesting. So like either there's something on the perimeter that's going to be different now or um, or you have Pat Will in the post on a guard, like stuff like that, just to to move and shift things around. Um, so yeah, I think again, like, it's just, I have a lot of confidence that Billy's going to make this offense work because I just have a lot of confidence in Billy as, as a coach, honestly, mm-hmm. um, at this point, especially with getting the most out of, um, rosters that are a little bit more limited. But I think the biggest thing for me that I feel like I haven't heard talked about enough is like Kobe. I think Kobe is like, especially with Lonzo being out for TBD, like this is the year where I think Kobe kind of has to put it all together. Um, but I mean, that's an entirely different discussion for sure. No, for sure. And I mean, we can talk about that because obviously Lonzo's void is going to be a big part of, or a big issue, I should say, for the Bulls all season until when he can come back. And I know the Bulls are a little more optimistic now on when he can come back, but they were optimistic last season when he was, uh, when he had his initial uh, diagnosis on the six to eight weeks uh, that he would be out and he would be ready to recover. And now, obviously, he had to have another surgery. So they're saying he's going to be out, reevaluated another four to six weeks from when he had his surgery. But who knows exactly when he's going to be back. So at that point, you have to find ways that you can fill his void. And you're not going to find that with one guy on the roster, right? So right now, the Bulls have a lot of guards that have bring different qualities and different skill sets. And some of those do replicate like individual skill sets do kind of replicate uh, what Lonzo does. Bobby, not exactly replicate, but at some level, the things that some of these guards bring. So guys, like you mentioned, Io, you mentioned Kobe. Um, We haven't talked about Dragic yet. Now, obviously Dragic, what he provides can or can't provide at this stage is very much up for debate still, or maybe not up for debate. He's, probably not going to give you as much as uh, he used to be able to. Um, but yeah, like you said, even Dale and Terry, there's certain things that he does that uh, like we're pushing the ball on the break. It's something Lonzo excelled at. 
Um, so yeah, how, how do you see that working out? Obviously, with the guard glut and the and, and the backcourt, even with Lonzo out, and how they can really maximize each player's skill set to kind of help fill what we're missing with Lonzo being out. I think that's what's uh, that's what's really interesting to me because I feel like with the guard room, like you know what you're getting out of Alex, like you're getting some secondary ball handling. Um, again, ideally, like you don't really want him being the lead ball handler. I think right. again, like this is a, it's just not a traditional roster, which I, part of the reason why I really enjoy the Bulls is because of that. Um, so like when you have um, Io out there as the point guard again, like it's mostly like okay, well, how can we get him to initiate sets and then kickstart things from there? Um, making things easier on Demar, you know, making things easier on on Vooch and on Zach, um, and so all right, that's what it looks like when you have Iowa out there at point guard. What does it look like if you have Kobe out there at point guard? I think the idea and part of it, I I really want to. I mean, there are a couple of things I really want to see from him. I think we're like pretty, we're pretty much at the point where we know like Kobe's a good shooter. Um, like he's established like last year for me was like him really establishing himself in that like he'd shot decently the the first couple of years on like um on on fine volume but then last year i felt like he really ratcheted it up and you saw the the real like elite shooting in his game he needs that off the dribble because i think to me again like we're talking about like getting off the dribble stuff making players uh making defenses forced to actually play overs on him because other than Dragic. There's, I mean, I mean, in Zach too. Other than Drogic and Zach, there's nobody on the roster I, I think is going to get that, and that's what's interesting with Drogic too. Because I, I, uh, I probably feel similar to you that like Drogic is pretty. Um, I don't want to say washed, but like he's he's, he's pretty close to washed. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's, so he's, he's thirty six. <laughs> I mean, this man is old. Right. I think I definitely have some concerns about him defensively. I I like some of the stuff they tried to do to make him not a target in preseason, um, but like he's a very savvy interior passer. Like he's really good at even despite being only six, two or six, three, he's really good at hitting cutters com- coming across the middle. And I think like, that's really all you need when you're able to draw out the defense the way that he can. And, um, you know, being able to exploit the gaps. Um, I don't think that you need him to be somebody who's going to play 25 minutes per game for you. If, if there were expectations of that from the coaching staff, I would. I sure as hope. I yeah, sure as exactly. hope that. <laughs> like he's not there. But I, I do think like I'm probably higher on him than than general consensus. I feel like general consensus thinks he's just not going to be a factor. I think that, you know, like like any older player, I don't think that you're expecting him to come in and um, be, you know, a stopgap starter for you. But I do think like playing is like the – the second guard off the bench behind Kobe. Like, I think that there's real value in that. Um, yeah. You know, just bringing a quality passer and playmaker and um, somebody who can, when they do have real, like, again, it's all dependent on his shot going. Cause if, if his shot's not falling, um, like I, I still think he's going to get guarded, but um, it just isn't quite the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. But I, I still believe in him really having an impact. But again, to me, I think it's Kobe's the guy who really unlocks a lot of things with this for me. No, 100%. So, like, for Dragic, I expect his baseline to be better than, like, Troy Brown Jr. and Matt Thomas. Like, he can give you a little bit more, like, when he's on the court, he's going to give you a little bit more quality of play than those guys could. And that's kind of the problem with the Bulls last season. Like, the depth really wasn't there. Um, And obviously, like, their offseason, mostly what they did was added, like, incremental depth. But, I mean, I think they did add some rotation players as opposed to them, you know, obviously needing to make a bigger move to really progress the roster. But they added something to really, you know, kind of 
avoid any situation if you are missing Lonzo. You have someone there at least that can provide something for you as opposed to guys like Troy Brown Jr. or um, Matt Thomas couldn't. Um, and then, yeah, to Kobe's point, I think, you know, he's he's an interesting situation. Um, you have to wonder where the minutes, if the minutes will be consistent, because when the rumor originally was, it was, it was really perplexing, too, at the time, that Drogic was promised like 20 minutes, but we're hoping that's not accurate. And that's what, because supposedly that's why he chose the Bulls because he was going to get a guaranteed role or, or whatever. Um, but you have, yeah, like, you have to hope that's not exactly accurate, that he wasn't really promised that role. And maybe we do see, get to see Kobe out there a little bit more uh, because I know the general consensus on Kobe too is that he hasn't really made improvements, but like last season you saw him do better in certain situations. Like the way he was making better reads driving to the basket, like in the past Kobe was always tunneled vision. And like, if he was driving to the basket, it was because he was going to try to score. Now you're actually kind of see him starting to find cutters to the basket as well. When, when he's driving there, kind of dumping it off to other guys. Um, I think you've seen him in slight improvements in his defense. We've yeah. seen the th- stuff like that, and his shooting, like you mentioned, has gotten more consistent. Um, still a little bit. Sometimes he has those points in the season where he'll go like a week or two where his, his shots is not falling. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you kind of still he still ended the season at thirty eight percent on pretty high volume. So yeah. that's there too. And then Io is the other guy that factors in as well. I think him if he can improve his shot more consistently. Um, I think he's improved his form. Um, obviously, his defensive improvements, we'll see. I think um, our guy, Lero Golden, pointed out a really great um, defensive stance he had where they were defending the Spain pick and roll, and Io orchestrated, like, as far as communication-wise, letting Pat know where to be positionally, and the Bulls were able to really defend that, uh, that, that possession really well. And essentially forced, I think it was against the Raptors, forced them to take a really tough long shot as opposed to what they originally were planning on the play transpiring into. So, yeah, all those guards to me are are going to be vital in doing these certain things that Lonzo provided. And if they can do that, I think you can manage without him, at least until yeah. he's back. The only thing I would add on Kobe, though, like I really want to see him finish through contact better. Um I think that's kind of like the next thing for him because uh, like like we know, like he's starting to develop the the, the playmaking more. Um, I do think that there's always going to be a cap on that. Like to me, he's just more of a combo guard than a true yeah. point. And that's not a knock. That's just, that's who he is. Um, but getting, like, I think he, especially watching these preseason games, like he still has such like a, um, like he really likes to go to like offhand finishes or, you know, trying to do things that are more falling away instead of embracing contact. And even if he's not finishing, like, I think he could do more to draw fouls, um, which again, like, I think that's just something that helps boil your offense, um, add something else that puts pressure on the defense. So I'm hopeful that we can see more from him. I think people are a little bit too down on him. Like he had a solid yeah. year last year, especially considering like, um, you know, how much his, his role has kind of changed throughout the years. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm very hopeful. He's still only 22. Like not to yeah, I I, lo- I always bring that up. I know people hate when you bring up age for players, but it's it matters and it does. I think last and people like uh, legitimately it frustrates me. They they ignore so like obviously he started out the season rough, but that had a lot to do with him obviously coming off that soldier injury, mm-hmm. and then he had COVID and he was out for COVID for three weeks. 
um, he actually had symptoms and stuff too. So like he wasn't just kind of just sitting there, but like with, without any symptoms and just missing time. But like I said, he, he had COVID, he came back, he got into a good flow, like between, and I've mentioned this multiple times on our podcast before, but between like the last week of December to about the last week of February, he was playing consistently good, like winning basketball. Like he was helping the Bulls a lot in that, in that time frame. Like obviously DeMar was overshadowing everything with the great things he was doing. Like even those, like the, the game winners that DeMar had, if you go look at those games and you will look at those games and say, man, the Bulls are not even in that situation if Kobe was not doing like what he was doing throughout the game. So yeah, Kobe 100% played better last season. And I think just the last couple of weeks of the season where he went really cold from the field. Um, and I think I, I do think that had something to do with minutes being just kind of like he, had, he was getting consistent minutes just because obviously it, guys were in and out of lineup. And then his minutes kind of just dropped when like Caruso came back. Mm-hmm. And sometimes for young players, that can be an adjustment, learning how to adjust to like your your role being constantly fluctuated as the season goes on. So um, I know I'm rambling here and not letting you talk, but like no, I'm just good. trying to, you know, just a, it's a frustration on my part where I think like, yeah, Kobe might not, you know, Kobe has his faults to, to, to for sure, but I just hate when people just say, oh, Kobe sucks and we need to get rid of him. And no, he did, he did get better. There are things that he does well that we can still use. Mm-hmm. No, most definitely. Um, and what's interesting too, like I liked what you pointed out and talking about how they handled Spain pick and roll against the Raptors. Um, I've been pretty encouraged by what their their defensive presence has looked like. Again, just preseason, like it's really hard to take anything away from the Bucks game considering the Bucks are playing like their third string guys. That was most of their G League team. Right. Um, but I think I mean it what's difficult, uh, like obviously I think when we talk about playoffs, that's a different conversation we can I don't know if you guys want to hit on that even in, in this, but like, I think to me, I look at what they, uh, what they were showing and to me, like that's, there's competent defense stuff, stuff there. Like, just like we saw at the beginning of last year, like, do I think without Lonzo? No, I don't think that they're going to be that top five top defense that they were for like the first month or two, but I still think that there are the guys on the roster. And I feel like there's a little bit more versatility too in the guys that they have, um, especially with Pat back and healthy with Derek back and healthy. Um, if Javante's offense is going to be even like slightly better, like I think you really see a lot with him, like watching him and in, in IO together. And with like, like, again, like we can see really fun stuff with like three or four guard lineups, which again, it seems crazy, but also hmm. they've shown abilities to make it work. And it, of course it's not going to be the same as, as having Lonzo there. Nobody can really replicate, replicate what he does on either end of the floor, but you can get shades of it while also getting different things. So um, I'm, I'm generally like, I mean, I think part of the reason you want to have me on is I'm generally like more encouraged about what the Bulls are going to be this year than I think consensus is. It's, that's one of the well, things. Well, you're just good in general, so we like that. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate that. that. <laughs> that's one of the uh, – so when we're talking about Kobe White, one of the things that he did really well during his uh, hot stretch last year was his team defense looked – really solid so Mm -hmm. i i'm wondering if he can pick up where he left off with that because if his defense isn't there then it's gonna make staying on the you know staying on the court uh more difficult for him so that kind of brings me into this and you talked about dale and terry earlier and i think he's such a solid fit as just a 
a general like glue guy type of player. Like, of course, his shot isn't great, but he does so many things really well. Like, I think he rebounds pretty well for a guard. I think he's a really mm-hmm. good passer. Like, you can play him in multiple positions. Like, he brings a lot of energy. So, I, I almost wonder sometimes if he's going to be somebody that could push Kobe White for minutes. Not saying off the bat, but I could see a scenario where Daylon Terry is kind of, you know, earning those minutes at some point during the season, almost in a way where it kind of comes out of left field a little bit in the same way that Io did uh, last season. So what do you think about Daylon Terry almost having an perhaps underrated role for this upcoming season? Yeah, I think that's what's interesting. Um, and I think a lot, uh, as, as like a point alongside that, a lot's going to depend on what steps Io takes. Um, like I think that, Again, granted, just preseason, but I think that you could see maybe a little bit more uh, smooth, like a little bit tighter of a handle, um, because I think that's the thing for him. Like he has the downhill burst and speed, and uh, but it's just his handle has to catch up to it. I think you saw a little bit of that that has me encouraged about seeing some more from the, from him there. Is his shot going to be quickened? Because I think the biggest thing was last year, like he's not a bad shooter. It's just he has to have space and he has to be pretty squarely set up. Um, is that going to be better this year? Because I think if you get more of that from Io, you can experiment a little bit more with having Dalen out there. And it's not like, like just, just especially considering how much I think they're going to be relying on Io for ball handling. Um, like, granted, you can get more of that out of Dalen too, but I do think he's coming in a little bit more limited um, as a as an off the dribble playmaker than where where Io was at last year. But defensively, I think it's where it's interesting. Like, what's tough is that at least it, it maybe you know adding some. I don't think he added too much weight in the offseason, if any, but. Like one of my things with him, not even that it's like a qualm, but I think like he just got very quickly attributed as like good defender. Um, and I think so often people see a guy who's six foot seven, like, well, he can defend threes and and maybe some fours. Right now, he's pretty much like a two, two and a half position defender to me. Like, I think he can handle some ones, uh, spe- like specifically on switches or anything where he's only having to cover like a short distance. You're not expecting him to, you know, like guard like crazy. Um, I think he can do some quality stuff off the ball. Like he's not an amazing screen navigator or chaser. Like he's solid, but he's not great at it. Um, and like, he's more to me, I think he's a lot better defending twos than he is playing up on threes. Cause he just doesn't have the the size and strength right now to like, he has size and wingspan, but it's like very similar to like, I think Torrey Craig's a great example. Uh, like even with the nuggets, like I think part of it, he, it was, he was overtaxed because of how bad the defense could be at times without him out there. And he just got bludgeoned sometimes, but it was because he was the only guy that they had to really throw at the Kawhis and Paul Georges and um, Lucas of the world. Like, I think Dalen's kind of going to be in that category. Um, but that's while still doing like positive things off the ball. And he has really active hands. Like, he's going to be a quality defender. I think it's just he has some more um, limitations to his game. Like, he's he has like almost the benefit of being really versatile. But to uh, to a fault, because he doesn't really have one thing that I think he's awesome at defensively yet. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, to talk about the the general discourse around the Bulls, too, it's been more negative uh, as opposed to even as and it's funny, it was negative last offseason, too, um, when they made a bunch of moves. And obviously this offseason, they didn't make a lot of splashy moves and additions. But it's it's been interesting to note that there's the 
every team has like you know the the good what ifs and the bad what ifs that could happen, mm-hmm. like the worst case scenarios and the best case scenarios. And for one reason or another, for the Bulls, a lot of people have been more focused on the worst case scenarios. Obviously, with Lonzo being out is one of the worst case scenarios, missing him for the entire season. That's obviously come to fruition that we're going to miss him. Maybe not for the entire season, but we are going to be without him, like we already talked about. Uh, but kind of overlooking like the 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 Zach and Demar duo, uh, overlooking I feel like Pat Williams and Io of what their development could be. Even Kobe, we've talked about his development could be. But like I said, yeah, it's just been general more on the negative side as opposed to acknowledging some of the positives that could come into play as well. Um, and you had, I feel like you had mentioned it too. I remember you tweeting about it, like that it's been weird that it's yeah. been mostly just, yeah, all these bad things are just going to happen for the Bulls and they're going to be the 11th record, 11th in the East because it's just the bad things are going to happen. Uh, I would love to hear your more thoughts on that. Like, mm-hmm. wh- why do you feel that consensus again is just there again coming into this season? Yeah, I think it's tough. Like, I don't, I don't mean to make it seem like I'm like the smartest guy in the room or something. I think maybe it's I, I try and look at it from the opposite end. Like, I, I look at last year's Bulls team. Like, I thought, you know, again, not to hype myself up. Like, I thought when they made the moves that they did in the offseason, I liked them. I thought, and I still think it's important to remember. Like, as good as Wendell looks now, um, I still am probably in the boat of like I wouldn't have traded him, but it's important to note, like, okay to open the doors for getting DeMar and for re-signing Zach and for all the things that happen, like if the Vooch trade doesn't happen, I'm pretty confident that stuff doesn't, doesn't play out. And again, you can quibble that, whatever, but I still think to me, I'm just not out on this team until I really see how things play out this year. Cause I do think that they had opportunities to make things happen this year. I was kind of hoping that they would, I was expecting them to, but also I think if they just have like another solid year this year, then you're really talking about having the opportunities to to do some things that are interesting in this coming year. I think not, I don't not that staying windows weird. Cause I don't think that they're in like some quote unquote championship window right now, but right. they do have a window of like making things happen to improve the team. I don't think it was just one off season cancels that out. And I think that's for every team. Like, like you mentioned, I think what's been tough, like a lot of it is probably DeMar based. Like I think a lot of people look at DeMar's season last year and think that it's just going to fall off a cliff and granted, do I think he's going to be second team All NBA again? Probably not. Um, but also, like, what do I know? Like, I, I, Demar Derozan just had his best season at age thirty-two. I, I didn't expect that to happen. I thought he was going to be good. I didn't think he was going to be that level of good. Um, like, he really blew me away with his play. Uh, I still just don't agree with how most people tend to look at Demar. Like, they look at him, they're like, "Oh, he's a ball stopper. He's this. He's that." And like, yeah, he has very clear warts to his game. Um, I think that there's always going to be some kind of ceiling with him as your number one option, but also it just feels like so often it's discounted that he plays with Zach Levine. Like that, what the biggest thing for me is Zach's health this year, right? Even with Lonzo out, I think is Zach healthy because that's part of I don't want to say that I'm worried about it. Like he didn't fully look himself to me in preseason, which has me hoping that that's just because it's preseason, so I don't want to take too much away from it. Um, but I, um, I would be pretty like, sorry, I totally lost my train of thought. I just think in looking at it, like there, there's more than one answer to everything. Uh, Like, yes, things could go terribly for the bulls. Like maybe Vooch doesn't have a better year and he just is a a sub all-star now. Um, Maybe Zach 
it just never gets his knee fully right again. And he's still a good player, but he's just, you know, only playing 65 games, um, is kind of having some issues with lift. So his defense is even worse. Um, and again, like Grant, like we, we've, we've talked about before, his defense was better last year, but again, it's a lot of it's having guys around him too. I know I'm kind of going in circles, but like, <laughs> I think it feeds into talking about Pat too. Like, I think it's very feasible to see Pat taking a, a step. I think some of the talk about Pat headed into the year has been wild to me. Um, because honestly, like, I mean, again, I'm biased from watching the last two games, but like he's doing things that look really good to me. I think it's, it's hard to take things away without just, you know, talking about process. Like I think the process looks really good. Um, again, not perfect, but like, I'm not expecting him to be perfect and just having him is going to be huge considering how much he was gone this last year. Like he doesn't solve everything for them, but again, with how they're playing defense and, um, how I think they're going to to keep him involved on both ends. Um, like, that's just an upgrade compared to what it was last year. Um, so, yeah. And, like, I mean, I think it's reasonable to think that Io takes another step this year. Not that I think he's going to take, like, some massive leap, but I think he's going to get better. He's going to get more consistent. Um, you can just look up and down the roster of guys who I think are going to make an impact without seeing anybody who I think is a clear re- regression candidate. Like, um Again, like you can point at Demar and 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 uh, and Vooch and say that they're going to regress, but I I still think it's reasonable to think that Vooch comes back to a better level because um, I don't think his game is predicated on athleticism. I don't think that he's like lost a step or anything, and he he looked decisive the, the last couple of games. And I think something that I think you uh, had written in notes that I forgot to get to, like having Vooch get more touches is huge. Right. Like it's not scoring touches. I think especially with what he did in Orlando, like he was like a real hub of their offense. Part of that was because of their limitations offensively. But like he he's very clearly somebody who is not comfortable just spacing. Like Mm -hmm. he's somebody who really has to have the ball run through him. But it's in a good way. Like you're making things open up. And I think we saw that in the preseason a little bit with playing more to those tendencies and trying to get him open. Like they did that last year, but I think you're seeing – even more of that this year. And that excites me for what they could be. And I mean, they have to lean into it without having Lonzo, um, who was like, quote unquote, not, not really like our last year, like some point guardy things, but like, you know, um, I know that's kind of a ramble, but point being like, I think that this team, there's much more higher ranges of outcomes than I think they're getting credit for. Yeah. The Vooch discord is always frustrating because people always like, yeah, he, he underperformed to expectations, but as you mentioned, like his, his ability to be that offensive hub, it gets really overlooked and undervalued. Um, his defense gets overly nitpicked. And to, yeah. I like my, my thing with Butch on his defense is like, look, he's going to do his job, but he's not good enough to make up for everyone else's yeah. mistakes. That's what it always comes boils 100%. down to. And people will consider yeah. that him being bad. And bad I think it's, right. It's more just, I, a, I just don't like using the word bad. He's just limited. No. Like I, yeah, he's he good is. at doing his job, but if you ask him to do more than that, I mean, he can't. Like he's not somebody who's going to cover tons of space, but he's good at being big and in the way. And I think you exactly like, like you like again like that's having having Pat back is huge. Like I think we we saw really good things from Pat defensively, both on and off the ball. Um, and it's just going to be a lot of how how consistent can they be with that the entire year? Because I think right. that was an issue last year, obviously. Right. And and if Pat can really be that help side, weak side defender consistently, I think you can see more of where Vooch is maybe defending higher up 
a little mm-hmm. bit more as opposed to dropping back as for the far as he was last season. And that was the other thing too. Like a lot of the last season, as far as back, Vooch is dropping back. That was part of the scheme because the Bulls did not want to give up that backside as much. But unfortunately, there was times that backside was given up because of just poor rotations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that Vooch was always blamed for that. It's like, no, that's not Vooch's fault. Like you guys are just blaming him because he's the guy nearest the rim, but that's not his fault. He's, he's doing his job. He's trying to stop the ball of uh, the ball handler from getting all the way to the rim. And at that point, someone behind him needs to step up, but like it was just slow rotations. And a lot of t- times it would just like, people being undersized or just not reacting quick enough. And yeah, that was always frustrating as far as like that's concerned. And and to your point with the offensive side, I think I've seen a lot more this off this preseason game than the, all four of them. Like there's more plays being run where all three of Zach DeMar and, and, and Booch are playing off each other. Yes. Like they're setting screens for each other, uh, kind of getting involved with like, you know, dribble handoffs, you know, pin downs or whatever screens that you want to call it. Um, they're doing a lot more stuff like that to try to, you know, generate not only a, a look for them where they can be advantage creators for themselves, but maybe make a good play for like someone like a guy like Javante who ends up cutting to the basket from like the mm-hmm. corner. So yeah, they're doing a lot more stuff like that, which I think in overall will benefit the offense and it will benefit each individual player too. Definitely. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to get back to what you were talking about, about the Bulls' perception of this season and perhaps beyond. And to me, it feels like the front office is very much in on the mindset of just having talent and being relevant. Mm-hmm. And even though they may not like there, there's not really some big window here to win some championship, but. I'm more so looking at it as, okay, they have Zach here for the next five years. DeMar, I, I think, still can be useful for another couple of years. I could be a free agent after next season, but I think he can still be a pretty solid scorer. Like, DeMar can score in his sleep. So, like, to me, I, I don't really mind the direction the team is heading in. I, I like that they're saying, let's be talented, let's be relevant let's be a consistent playoff team and let's just maintain ways to to continue to get better as the years go on. I think the Miami Heat to a degree have done, did something similar. Like after mm-hmm. the big three ended, they just tried to stay relevant and just wait for chances to, to get better. And they ended up getting Jimmy Butler out of it. And then they had some chances to do a little bit more. So I, I, I kind of like where this is heading. I, I think that, even though the range of outcomes could really be anywhere from like a fifth seed to a play in. And maybe that kind of sucks for some Bulls fans because they don't want to be a play in team or who knows, maybe the Bulls just missed the playoffs altogether. But I, I still like the overall direction of it. So like, what do you think? Do you think that what the Bulls are doing in terms of just trying to stay relevant is a good, is just a really good plan overall? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, what's interesting to me and I think what's just in general, what's what's interesting is like, so I grew up not to go like too too nose out of here, but like I grew up my my dad, not that he was like a massive Bulls fan, but like my dad was 
in college when when the Bulls were were going through their run. And I just never really had a point when I was into basketball. Like I came into basketball in 13, 14. So it's already towards the end of of the D Rose era just because of of injuries. Obviously you get the crazy Jimmy series against the Cavs and in 2014, 15, we don't talk about 15, 16 or 16, 17, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> especially not 16, 17. Uh, but like you look at what the Bulls were from 2017 to even like 2020, like I, that team was 31 and 41. But they were bad. Like that was a bad team in Billy's first year. Um, and like, I don't know. I think there was just so much to look at where this team sucked. They didn't really feel like they were going anywhere, um, even though they were. Like on the they they weren't tanking ever, which is what made it frustrating. Like I, I just think it's hard for me to be frustrated about a team that is going out and winning sixty percent of its games. Like, um, granted, like I think if you're doing this for five years, yeah, that's different. If you're doing it for three years, that's different. If there's no like meaningful step forward, but like I just think that you open yourself up to a lot more possibilities when you're good. Like, and granted, good is different to everybody. To me, good is like if you're a playoff team, you're a good good basketball team. And I think especially with the, what the bulls were last year, even during like a very injury plague season, they were 46 and 36. And we, again, you can talk about what happened in the playoffs. They lost their way a little bit, but that's kind of what happens. I think this season is going to be really telling for, for Billy's tenure overall. And um, like, I, I don't know, like I, I just feel like in some ways and not to like call out bulls fans, but seeing people who do get doomer over the team, like, did we not just live through the Fred Hoiberg and, and Jim Boylan era? Like, that, yeah. I mean, that happened. Like, I, I think you have to have that perspective when looking forward because as much as it's frustrating to look at what this offseason wasn't, um, I think in some ways you can you have to just be not bought in necessarily to what the team could be this year and where they might be headed. But I still just think that there's a lot more reason for, for positivity and optimism, especially to like Chicago's not like – Chicago's been a free agent draw, like not that it's huge right now, but I think that's my point. Like when you open this up to, okay, if you somehow win 47, 48 games this year and you have a competitive first round series and you can pitch to a free agent and say, Hey, you are the guy who takes us to the next level. Like granted, there are things that have to be done to maneuver, maneuver. You don't know what, 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 what team implodes and what, what star becomes available because it happens more often than I think we generally like posited as, there's real opportunities for this team to continue to get better. Um, granted, is it is it perfect? Are you tanking for a Wemby? No, but I think to me, Chicago is a market that I view as being able to really just be good and then grow from there. Um, so yeah, I, I I just think that again, like I don't I can't fault people for who don't take the long view with it, but I mean, I grew up during the post LeBron Cavs era, so like. Yeah, like I mean, you don't have to watch Alonzo G start basketball games. So I think like this is a this is a good time, man. Like uh, I, I, it's funny, you know, you mentioned what we wore. Um, I, I got Big Dave from CHGO. He always talks about. I remember what we wore those two years. So I'm perfectly fine with even like when we, when we were having the 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 uh, like second half, you know, kind of issues that were going down. He's like, you know what? We're still in. At this point of the season, we're still in important games. Like these games are meaningful still for us. I'll take this to what we wore like to last season when 
we knew this time of the year the Bulls are, are playing these games and they don't mean anything and we're just kind of hoping they lose because you want more lottery balls to be in your favor. Uh, so, yeah, 100%. Like, you know, in that regard, you, you are seeing – I think we're going into a season like having expectation, okay, this team can be a playoff team or is a playoff team. And we'll see what happens from there. And, and there are things that can happen that can make this team better. Uh, certain developments internally for sure. So yeah, I'm I'm with you there as well. Like, yeah. you know, I, I had my my little moments of frustration with free agency, uh, mostly with the ownership, not necessarily with what the front office was doing, because obviously sometimes front offices can be kind of hindered by what your ownership allows you to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I look at the roster overall, and I think yeah, there's definitely a lot of positives. Um, that to take away. And, and to your point about free agency, like guys love playing with Zach. Yeah. I mean, he, Zach is a, Zach is a legit star. He's a guy that's very welcoming. And like, you look at what he's, his relationship with DeMar, like, and how he's been so open to like taking a backseat to DeMar and being unselfish and just being like, I want to win. And not to say like, we don't expect more from Zach going into this season where I, we'd like to see him take that step forward and, then some plant, uh, you know, DeMar as far as being, you know, the guy that is in the fourth quarter doing more than DeMar does. But, like, you see that. You know, he's a very enjoyable player to play with. He is – he's all about winning. So that is a big benefit as well. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And to, to me, like, it, it really is just a case of, like, like Mark is saying, if you come out of the season and you've won – 44 45 you know wins and you are a playoff team and you had an entertaining series hey maybe you even won a series i don't know and you're you're going to the table to all of these players and saying hey chicago is fun we're in the playoffs the crowd is into it we got talent we we're competitive every year you could be the guy to take this to the next level and if the front office can continue staying in those conversations, hanging around at the table, then I think it's a good job. Really, the only um, the only thing that I, I would be concerned about is if the front office allows them to 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 go a certain distance. And as, as uh, Salim was uh, just mentioning, they were limited this year because of it. So they couldn't even really use the full uh mid-level or, or taxpayers exception that they had so to me that's really the only thing that could block it so i like i, I know it's frustrating for some bulls fans because of the all the oh it's basketball hell and oh we, we're not gonna win a title and oh we're, we're not tanking either and we might not even win a playoff series but like to me it, it continues to to prove now that i i think you're better off staying relevant than just not <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I think it's important to realize too. Like, if I remember correctly, and I think I just checked Basketball Reference too to remind myself. And I know their attendance numbers can be wonky, but the Bulls led the league in attendance for like eight years, and then they had like a s- small fall off hmm. during the poor years. But people still showed out at games. Like, I think the biggest thing for me is just like last year was the best Bulls team, and just most excited that I think anybody that I can think of who like I think it's important for me to check. Like, I talk to more people who don't talk basketball about the Bulls last year than I had since 2014-15. And I think that's important. Like no, 100%. I exactly. Know. Like the Bulls were just I mean like you said like they were they were relevant for like 5 years and that's that's painful. 
Um, oh yeah, and that's that's like I said, we get stuck in our Bulls bubble and we don't realize these things, right? Because fans just Bulls fans just are looking at what other Bulls fans are tend to say and other Bulls media and you know, seeing the outside perspective is definitely helpful as well, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, um, Bulls fans ignore five thirty eight. There's some haters, man. We we good. Please just <laughs> ignore five thirty eight for everything. Yeah. I know great people who work there, but ignore the graphs. Ignore their graphs because they are uh, their graphs in charge. They're very misleading. Uh, I do not like uh, RAPM. So yeah, I believe they're are they RAPM or RAPM? no? No, that, they're ESPN. That's ESPN. I think RAPM. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I can't remember what their thing uh, is right now. But, yeah, I don't. They use I think Raptor and Carmelo. Oh yes, it's Raptor. My bad. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're. I don't know. I. I'm. I'm gotten to a point like over the years. Like I. I, I like advanced ads. Don't get me wrong. I like them. Uh, there's value. There's some value in them. But like basketball is just like one of those sports that you have to watch film. Like you cannot rely on advanced stats to well, tell you what it's a not player even, is. Like, and, I mean, I do think part of it is that, but I also would say to me. It's more about like, I mean, exactly like we're talking about with what the Bulls were last year. I mean, I think what's hard and why I don't like doing, well, like this team is better than that team and that and this. And like, I think you just have to let it play out because last year going the season, I would have said the Bulls were like the probably the seventh or eighth best team in the conference. And like they ended up like probably settling just below there. Like, I mean, just above there, like around sixth. But I mean, they were they far surpassed everything I could have anticipated last year. And I think part of that's just you, a, you don't know until you see how everything else shakes out. Like, yes, right now I can look and say that I think there are probably at least five or six teams that I would call more talented or on paper better, but basketball isn't played on paper. Like, okay, what if I don't want this to happen, but like, what if James Harden gets hurt? What if Pascal Siakam gets hurt? What if Jimmy Butler misses 35 games? Like that stuff happens and we can't really predict it happening. And that plays a part in how teams were built and how teams play and what their seeding is going to be. Like maybe because the Bulls end up winning eight more games in their first like four months of the season because somebody has an injury to their team that ends up impacting the rest of the conference. And that impacts something like I'm doing like way too much butterfly effect bullshit. No, right no, now, for but sure. It's very true. Like you just can't really predict how some things are going to happen. Yeah, no, absolutely. So let's let's get let's get something on record then. So um, and we'll we'll just start some predictions that we want to get from you. Uh, how how many wins do you have the Bulls getting this year? I think if I had to pin a number on it right now, I'd probably say 44, 45. Okay. Um, that's like you know just thinking like more average median outcome. I think that uh, if I had to talk about it in terms of seeding, like I think realistically they're in like probably that five to nine group. Um, They can definitely reach higher, but again, it just depends on what happens with other teams and maybe anything that happens internally for them. Maybe they just have like a dream season without having any injuries. And, um, but I think, I would, I mean, I comfortably would say that they're going to be a little bit better than 500. Just how much is going to depend on how other things shake out. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think 44. I, that's about what we've been saying. So, yeah, yeah I, mean, any I game said about like 45, 46. And yeah. depending on, depending on like internal development, it could be better, but mm. that's hard to know for sure. Yeah. Yes. Like so, at the very moment, if somebody told me that the team won like 48 to 50 games. I don't think that that's unfeasible. I would probably doubt it happening, but again, it's like, okay, 
what if Pat takes a really big step, which I don't think is out of the question? You know, like I mean, that, that there's just a there are a multitude of ways it could go. Yeah, mm. I do. I mean, I mean, I do think IO two is a little underrated in his ceiling at this point too, just because people maybe still have that idea that he is a second round pick. So, uh, how high could a ceiling really be? And I'm not saying he has like a star ceiling, but like I do think like he could be he could be the guy that really takes a jump this year too. That you know, mm-hmm. makes a big difference on what the Bulls um, end up doing and end up being as well. So mm-hmm. that there's, yeah, there's, there's positivity and there's definitely positive outcomes that could happen more so than the negative ones. Um, yeah. So l- let's get into some around the NBA talk too. like get some predictions on that. Um, there's obviously a lot of exciting storylines this season with, Oh, not to say this this season, there's always exciting storylines happening, but uh, would love to get your view on how some things shake up in the East. So just to start, like, who do you think as far as your dark horse teams are in the East and in the West? Ooh, in the East? I'll, hmm. That's interesting. I feel like it's tough to call anybody a dark horse in the East because it feels like everybody's getting talked about as a playoff team. Like, it's very clear cut, like, Indiana's going to suck. I think Detroit and Orlando are going to be feisty, but not not playing or playoff teams. Um, Brooklyn, I still just don't know what to think of them. Like, I think they're very clearly going to be a contender, most likely, but it's just mm-hmm. also like anything could happen with that. Um, I would probably say Atlanta. Like, I I'm pretty confident that they're going to be better defensively this year, uh, just given what their personnel is, but also. Um, like, I don't think that their offense is going to take too much of a step off the pedal. I think they might even be better. Um, so I think that that team has a lot more upward mobility than they're probably getting credit for. Uh, there's also room for it to, to not work, to be fair. But I do think, like, I just don't generally see them get talked about as being a team that could have a run. In the West, I feel like the Pels are almost, like, pretty – like, I feel like people get them now and understand where they're at. Um, West is hard. Like, I I don't, I mean, I kind of just want to rock out with the Pels. Like, I think Mm. that the Pels won 50 games this year. I think they're that talented. I think that they are that good. Like, I think people have talked about them as being like a playoff team, but I don't think I've seen enough talk about like them being one of the upper echelon teams, which I think is very feasible for them. So I'll go with, I'll go with the Pels again. Yeah, I'm I'm all in on the Pels this year. I I think they're going to, be the new like this year's Grizzlies just take this massive leap and we're gonna see some ridiculous things from Zion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like that just gonna we're just gonna be like what the hell did he just do? Did he just really do yeah. that? Yeah. Uh, so it's they're gonna be they're gonna be must watch TV. Um, they're a really talented um, team. I so, mean yeah you look at their top three, yeah. I mean they have a good supporting cast, Herb Jones. I mean they're they're yeah. a really talented team. Yeah they have I mean they've you know, for all the faults that you want to give David Griffin on some of the things that he's done, like, as it turns out, he's built a pretty decent roster there. Like, everything around, you know, if they had Zion last season, you never know what happens uh, mm-hmm. with them just because obviously they made that push late to – with after the trade for CJ, uh, mm-hmm. they made that push for the plan. Um, and then obviously made the eighth seed. But, like – you never know what would happen if, he, if Zion was there all year. And, and like, it's crazy. Like, Zion look, legitimately looks like the best shape he's been, like, in ever. Like, I, I think, like, someone was saying, like, he's 
he's more leaner and like more like like his built and everything is like almost better than when he was like in high school at some point. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think he's gonna he's in for a massive year and yeah, everything with uh, Brandon Ingram is obviously maybe you can argue that he's kind of underrated at this point as a player overall. Like I really love his game. Um, obviously you would like to see a little step forward in his playmaking, but I think it's there. He's shown flashes, um, as, as far as like a, you know, an initiator is concerned, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed the Pelicans. I think I'm right there with you as far as them taking that step into being a 50 win team. Uh, so let's do teams that you think will disappoint, uh, in overall in East and West and or just in general, like teams that you're probably looking at as like, man, you know, they have these expectations, um, but yeah, fans, those fan bases are not going to be very happy. Oh, that's tough. Um, I kind of want to, I don't see, I don't even know what their expectations are, but I think this is just me. Like I, my expectations were that I wanted to see Charlotte take another step towards being uh, like at least a consistent play in playoff team. Um, I don't think it's going to happen this year. They, again, you don't want to take too much away from preseason. They look bad preseason. Um, like everything that they were doing looked bad on both ends of the court. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I have some confidence in Steve Clifford, like making them competent because that's just what he does. And he's really good at that. Uh, but I just up, up and down with what the roster is, unless there's some giant lamello leap. Um, I'm not super confident in that looking great. Um, I think I would probably point at Portland too. Um, they're just in a weird spot. Like I, in a vacuum, I liked what they did. I think like I could also be wrong on this and maybe Portland like sneakily has like a, a 46 win team this year and does pretty well. Um, but I personally would doubt it. They're just, that roster is weird. That, like, not that it's bad. Like I just, uh, I can't really put a finger on what their direction is supposed to be. Like, it feels like they did things to try and extend out for another competitive year with Dame while also setting the seeds for what happens without Dame. And I don't like, I don't know, to me, it's just that it's a little bit of a murky line. I get what they're trying to do, but I don't know what that's going to look like on court this year. And I'm, I'm not super enthused by Chauncey Billups as a coach so far, if we're being honest. Um, So, but again, if they figure some things out defensively, that could look very different, but I would, if I had to pick two, two teams, those would probably be the two. We just, we just need Portland to figure out enough just to get that eight seed so the Bulls can get that first round pick. 100%. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, it's it, – I mean, I want – I want if, like, the, the – if Portland somehow is looking like a playoff team to start, like, I would love it if AK could just trade that pick so that way we don't have to rely on the Portland Trailblazers making the playoffs. Yeah. So, so that gives you traded and, you know, capitalize on the asset while it, you can. Uh, but we'll see what, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Cause I think it's like protected lottery protected to like 2028 and then it turns into like a second rounder or something. So it's like, uh, we need, uh, we need some help here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Luck, luckily, luckily though, Dame is, you know, in it for the grind. So he, he doesn't seem like he wants out ever. So you know, there, there's always hope, I guess, if your superstar is going to s- stick around. Uh, so, yeah, the next one would ask you is, what do you think the finals predictions are as far as like the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference oh, finals man. and then, 
what happens you think as far as the finals in general like would you who would your favorites be to end up in those situations that's tough um shit i'm trying to think in my head i if i okay i can't pick just one team from the east i think it's gonna be milwaukee or philadelphia um that could end up being very wrong but that's probably where i'll go from the west i think it's gonna be denver or golden state um really? but i would probably lean denver like i just really believe in denver this year i think this is the best team that they've ever had around Nikola Jokic. health is obviously gonna be important but they have mpj back they have jamal back they have more depth on the wings um I just think this team can go. Like I, I, I believe in them. Uh, that can end up looking very wrong, but I don't know. I just see it with them. Um, I think Golden State will be good, but again, they are already starting off with some weirdness. It's just I don't know TBD on that. Um, but again, like I could end up being wrong about both these, which is what makes it fun. Like maybe the Clippers are just insane this year, which is entirely possible. Um, so yeah, we'll see, man. Yeah, it's funny. I have the Clippers and the Warriors. Um... Eastern Conference Finals right now, like Denver is. I know people are like they people bring up like Marco Porter Jr. Uh, a lot and like you know the things that his potential. But like I just so worry about it. it's like he's had more back surgeries than he's had seasons in the league, and that to me is just always like such a big concern. It's like what what can he give you? Like how fluid is his back going to be? Is that going to affect him at some point? Like. What's what's gonna happen with that? So that they just concern me. Like, out obviously they're such a fun team when they're healthy and everything's you know mm-hmm. booming. And obviously, I don't I don't worry about Jamal Murray because like ACL injuries are not what they used to be. Like, all he needs is time. Uh, he just needs to get comfortable playing again, and I think he'll be back to normal. But it's just obviously you know they have Aaron Gordon, who was a big addition for them. The, was it last season or the year before last? I can't remember when that happened, but he was he was a nice addition for them. But yeah, I don't know. I just Denver worries me a little bit just because of obviously they're they're hoping a lot with Mike Ford Jr. So yeah, we'll see for sure. I'm I'm thinking um, um I'm thinking Golden State and um and Milwaukee. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, think yeah, Milwaukee. I honestly have Golden State repeating. I I just don't know. I I can't bet against Steph at this point, man. Yeah. It's just it's just. <laughs> I don't know. He's just ridiculous. Where do you think that puts Steph all the time? Let's, so let's say that does happen. Like, Steph, the Warriors win it. Steph gets finals MVP again. And that's number know, five. Where, yeah. Like, for me, he's already top ten all time for me. Like, oh, yeah. He, he is for me, too. Like, I don't like, think I... But where where does it leave you in the discussion as far as just, like, all time, like, is he the second best for, guard ever then at that point? I think there's – I mean, it might be an unplayable. Like, what what happens? Like, what's your thoughts on that as far as where do you would put stuff? Honestly, it might be unpopular, but I think there's a valid case for Steph being top five all time if he wins number five. I When I look at that, if he wins number five and you take into account how he has changed the game of basketball completely – I, I think he's I think he's got a strong case for it. Like, I mean, I don't know who I would take out, but I mean, five, that's as many as Kobe. That's more than LeBron. I mean, I, I know he doesn't come with the same um, type of stature as those players do, but I, I think there's a valid case for it. If he wins one more. Yeah, for sure. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um 
And then finally, let's get your thoughts on the rookies. Like, who do you think like you're looking most excited to see as far as some of the rookies that can maybe make an Im- immediate impact on on certain teams, um, and that maybe even like a, a rookie that maybe isn't being talked about enough. Ooh, um, that's a good question. So I think like Paolo is a very obvious choice. Like he's already just, he's going to be really good. I think he, he's my pick for rookie of the year. I'm really excited to watch Jaden Ivey and just Detroit in general as they take another step this year. Uh, Benedict Mather has been really encouraging for Indiana. And I think somebody who's going to fill in well. Um, man, under the radar though. Um, like Jalen Williams with OKC is going to be really fun. Like he already showed out in preseason, but he was a fun prospect at Santa Clara and just a guy who I think is really interesting. Um, I think Patrick Baldwin Jr. has a chance to do something with Golden State this year. Like he's really fun. I like Caleb Houston a lot out of Michigan uh, for Orlando. Um, he showed some good stuff in preseason, and I think he might. I I would say he pretty much secured his spot uh, after the uh, they I think they cut Devin Kennedy yesterday, um, and that was essentially because they're securing the rest of his uh, his his place on the team. Um, Christian Coloco with the Raptors is somebody I really like as an immediate impact guy. I don't I think that there's fair questions about his ceiling, but as somebody who can really just be a good defender and do some things as a roller, like I think that there's a 10 to 15 minute per game role there for him. And lastly, um, it, it really depends on how the season goes for them. Uh, but I think there's a chance that Jabari Walker for Portland has a real immediate impact. He's somebody I actually really wanted the Bulls to draft, to be honest. Um, I still like the Dalen pick, but Jabari's like, he's somebody I would have picked in the first round. He went 57th. Um, just a really fun, versatile perimeter defender and who has some flashes of being like a weak side rim protector. And he has a really clunky, weird handle for somebody who's six foot nine, but he can shoot the shit out of the ball. And he is putting some stuff together in terms of being able to drive off the catch. And I think to me, that just screams out somebody who's going to be a good role player in the NBA. Um, so, yeah, I think those are the guys I would go with in terms of like people who could be interesting this year um, and might have an impact, but and last name would be Nikola Jovic because he's he showed some things, and I think that there's a spot for him to really shine too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was funny. Like Miami always ends up with finding guys, and there's always somebody. Yeah, them. yeah. And someone's gonna step up. Obviously, PJ Tucker. Them losing him, it was a like an issue because you know you lost your starting four, and then all of a sudden, but they'll they'll develop somebody else because they just do because they're <laughs> <Yep>. Miami. <laughs> That's frustrating. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we'll we'll wrap up here, Mark. I obviously appreciate you always joining us. Uh, let our listeners know where obviously all the work that you're doing right now, uh, where they can find your work, and obviously where they can follow you um, as well. Yeah, well, first of all, I appreciate you guys having me on. I always enjoy coming on and talking. Um, you can find me on Twitter at mg underscore Schindler. That's the best place to find me. I always have my work pinned there. Um, yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Oh, 100%. All right. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, Ed, any final thoughts as we uh, get wrapped up here? No, thanks again to uh, Mark Schindler for dropping by again. Uh, always great talking basketball with him. And uh, yeah, we're we're getting ready for a regular season. So we'll uh, see some. Which still feels crazy to say, man. Like, I can't. Yeah, can't yeah, yeah right. Tuesday. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So, uh... You know, it's, fu- it's funny. I think it's, that has a lot to do with like the last couple of seasons. They started late compared to what 
you know what they normally start at just because mm-hmm. of obviously pandemic and them trying to catch up and fit in a certain amount of games um but yeah i think like well when did they start last season last season they started what like the end of october like the season as far as like preseason or something right was like end of october ish yeah, I can't even remember. It's been a world. Yeah, so like, <laughs> the bubble honestly was not that long ago. So <laughs> it's been crazy. Yeah. Yeah, the bubble was like two years ago, but yeah. it feels it feels like it wasn't long ago. But yeah, um yeah, exciting. It's exciting that the NBA season is back and like I you know, I always say basketball has turned into a year round sport, but you know, the draft, obviously the WNBA. You know, they're trying to pick up, obviously getting more recognition for being a great league. Uh, so basketball, you know, basketball is, uh, is is should be America's new sport, in my opinion. I yeah. think it should yeah, be. Yeah, I concur. A lot of people won't agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> it should. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, that's a wrap for today's show. If you've missed any previous episodes, you can find us under the Barroom Network and all major and minor podcast platforms. Thank you again for to Mark Schindler for joining us today and to listeners for tuning in. As always, for Edward Schuler and myself. Till next time, Bulls fans.